Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. Hello, welcome back to the 1874 podcast. Absolutely no idea if this is working or not, if we've got audio because we've basically got a new producer today because Adam's on holiday. So do let us know in the chat if you can hear me and that everything's running okay. That would be much appreciated. I'm joined by Global Greg Evans to look on the last seven days at Villa Park, although we'll probably just mainly be looking at the Newcastle defeat at the weekend. And of course, when we've had a bad weekend and things are pretty glum, Getting Greg Evans on the show, G everyone up, cheer everyone up, getting Greg here, that, that'll really help <laughs> everyone's mood. Greg, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I can't stop smiling. I don't know, for some reason, it's something to do with this initiation, uh, initialising that was just trying to get in. Yeah. Are, are, we, are we actually on now? Because it we are on, like Greg. We've been we're trying on. To get it's on, literally Greg. about five minutes to, to initialise right, okay. and get on the pod, okay. but we're here now good. and people are, people are enjoying it already in the chat, I can say. Good, that's good to know. Um yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it was obviously a disappointing weekend, wasn't it? You know, it's horrible to watch uh, the result unfold like that. I just think um, there's no way to dress it up nicely. It was a really, really bad performance, a really bad result. Um, everything that come with it as well was was horrible, really. But um, I think once you just switch off from the game and you realise it's literally just one game and there are 37 remaining and whatever happened on Saturday will not define Villa's season. Um, you can just step away and think, look, look forward to the next one. And I firmly believe Villa will get it right at the weekend and, and make amends and all will be forgotten. It's just, football's a killer, isn't it? Because I was so looking forward to the season starting. I think I've watched five games this, this weekend, but obviously the Villa result kind of makes or breaks your weekend but it was just the fact that it was the, the most optimistic I think every Villa fan has ever been at the start, mm. start of the season and within about 20 minutes you lose one of your best players probably for, for the season it was horrible and that, to be honest 
even if we hadn't lost, I think some of my enjoyment of the game was spoiled by what happened to Tyro Mings, but then to just get absolutely pummeled by what is a, a really good side. I, I must say Newcastle are an unbelievable side. Tenali in midfield looked absolutely unbelievable and he'll add to what was already a really good team. But it, it was more the fact that it's it's the hope that kills you, isn't it, with football? Because everyone was so buoyant and now, obviously, after the Buendia injury, the, the Mings injury and the result, things are going to feel a, li- a little bit flatter. But I think what you've said is crucial, that it it is only one game home game against Everton next week, who are pretty soulless, I would say. Everton, like last season, it's a good chance to bounce back from opening day misery and get three points. So, all's not lost, but you can't help but look back and think, it's been a bad few days for, for Aston Villa. Yeah, and look, you know, first and foremost, let's hope Tyrone Mings and Emmy Buendia can both come back fitter and stronger and, and look the next few Week days and weeks are going to be really tough for both of them. Um, you know, Tyrone has obviously been through all this five, six years ago. Six years ago, sorry, eight years ago, I think was it eight years ago, two thousand fifteen. Eight years ago, yeah. Wow, I mean, very long time. Um, he's had a you know an exceptional run really at Villa since joining on loan um, and then turning that loan move into a permanent one. He's hardly hardly missed a game really through injury. So for the last four or five years, he's been very durable um, and shown what a quality player is. And although he's been through this previously, it's still going to be so tough for him these days and weeks ahead. So, look, um, you know, hope, hopefully he can come back stronger. Um, and the same for Wendir as well. As for Villa, I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden Villa have gone from having a very strong squad with two players in almost every position and lots of quality backup options so you're now looking at thinking, you know, you double, you're questioning everything again, aren't you? You're almost looking at it and thinking, well, we might have to play this player instead of this player now. Is this player got enough experience in the Premier League? Is this player ready to do this? It's just there's so many more questions that need answered, uh, need answering at the moment, and we're just not going to know whether whether it really is going to affect Villa until they keep playing games. So let, let's just hope that, you know, the games, you look for the fixture list and you think that Villa will have enough to get through some of the next few weeks anyway. Um, I just hope that, for example, you know, Diego Carlos doesn't have a recurrence of his injury. I hope that he's not, um, uh, you know, hope there aren't issues that uh, that are still holding him back because he hasn't played in the Premier League. You know, we've we, we seen him come off the bench against Newcastle and he played what two games previously. So, we don't know if he's, you know, good enough to play in the Premier League yet. I'm sure he will be because he's he's succeeded in Spain and uh, won the Europa League with Sevilla previously. So you know he comes, he, he arrived at Villa with a you know massive pedigree, um, and you know Paul Torres. The hope ideally would, would would have been to to slowly nurture him in, but you're having to bring him on in St James's Park when Villa already down, and it's just it's horrible, isn't it? You know. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not been a great week after such a, an uplifting three or four months previously. Um, but let's hope that you know victory at the weekend can hopefully change things. Yeah, we won't do the game to death because obviously a few a few games, sorry, a few days have passed now. If you do want to hear my thoughts on the game, then go and watch the Claret and Blue podcast because I did a show with Rollo straight after the game, and we tried to be as reasonable as possible, which I think we achieved considering it was it was straight after the game. So if you want to hear 
in-depth thoughts about the game, go and watch that on, on the Claret and Blue channel. But I just wanted to point out a couple, couple of things for the reasons of, of why I think it turned into such a heavy defeat, Greg. So I actually want to run and buy you and you tell me whether I'm correct or not. So in, in the second half, Villa ended up with personnel on the pitch and in terms of positions and formation, it was just something that they never will have worked on through the week. Everything they'd worked on through the week went completely out the window. There's no way they worked on Tillemans playing from the left. There's no way they worked on a defence that turned into a back five without, without Tyro Ming. So it did look all over the place at times in the second half. But I would say it's probably because, because of those reasons, because everything they'd done in the week, everything they'd planned for, just ended up getting completely ripped up. Everything went went against them, didn't it? You know, they conceded the early goal, lost a lost a key defender really early on. Had to change the formation at half time. Had Douglas Louise on a very early booking, so he Silly was sort of was running that. a tightrope, you know, for the whole time. Um, there were just there were just so many issues to deal with, and look, you know, that's what the manager gets paid the big bucks to to fix it for. You know, um, unfortunately, on this occasion, Newcastle were just too good. They were just too strong. <laughs> I don't think they lost a game last season at home, did they? They lost to Liverpool. Did they lose um, one game, when, right? When Pope got sent off. I remember that, I remember right. that game. So I'm pretty sure they off. only lost one game then, uh, in, at home all season. So Villa knew they were going there anyway and that it was going to be difficult. When you go 1-0 down so early, it's just it's, you know, it's so hard. Then to get back and then concede so quickly after, you're just thinking, oh, it's a, du- you know, it's a, it's a double blow. But... Um, I'm, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to move on from it. I just think that there were a lot of bad things. It was, you know, you, you just there's no way to dress it up nicely. The high line was horribly exposed, and the biggest worry I've got now going forward um, for Villa is that Konza and Mings um, and, and the fullbacks, you know, of course, had had worked at ways to master that high line last season. And there were times where it was very, very close and they were almost exposed on on plenty of occasions. I think of Brentford, I think of Brighton on the last game of the season, I think of the Tottenham game quite late. Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham the penultimate game of the season, was it? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, so close. They, there were a lot of opportunities that were almost given up, but Villa played that masterfully and just, just were able to do it. Konza and Mings know, knew how to do that. Now there's no Mings, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Carlos. Torres will know how to play that line because he did it with Emery anyway. But mm. he, he's coming into the Premier League and, and we just don't know if he's going to be ready or good enough for the Premier League yet until he's played in it. So it's going to, it's going to take a few weeks to see. Um, I, I'm not too concerned, but I just think the, there might be some issues against some of the better teams. You could see with the with the offside trap and the high line, Concer and Torres just just weren't on the same page, and you, you wouldn't expect them to be because they got like we say, Torres got completely thrown into it. But you make a valid point about that high line last season and how they'd done so much work on it and they'd mastered it. Probably three of the four defenders that were heavily involved in that high line aren't going to be in the team now because Ashley Young's gone, Moreno's injured, and Mings is now injured as well. So you're left with just Concer who's worked on it consistently on, on a consistent basis. So it's essentially become now. A completely new back four, really. Concert's yeah. going to be surrounded with people who weren't a major part of that that ten game run and weren't a part of of mastering that high line. So it it is going to be difficult. Thankfully, you know they've got a, got a week on the training ground. You, I guess the big thing is, although there is concerns, and normally after everything that's happened in the last seven days, I would be losing my mind. But because of the manager, I'm not. I still think losing that game, first game last season against against Bournemouth, the way they did, that definitely concerned me more than losing five one to Newcastle. Does if that make sense? 
Yeah, I just look back to the Bournemouth game last year, and you know that it sh- it sent shockwaves through the club. That did, you know that 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 wasn't that wasn't in the script at all. You know, it wasn't even a consideration. Villa went to Newcastle knowing that they potentially might lose the game, and that if they did, it wouldn't be the end of the world. The five-one scoreline, you know, of course, is disappointing. Um, and if this comes in the middle of the season or on the back of lots of other defeats, then you know it's really worrying. But because it's so early on, I'm I'm, I'm not too concerned yet. When I look back at last year uh, and just what happened, it, it was very clear that um, you know Gerard wasn't picking the right players. I think I just think back to the to, to the to the team selection at Bournemouth. That it's time. awful. He didn't play Watkins. He didn't play Louise. He didn't play Mings. Uh, he didn't play Buendia. And then towards the end of the season, those were the four four of the players that were really um, key to, to Villa flying up the league. So the the there were there were causes for con- there were there were concerns very early on after after Bournemouth. I don't think there are this year. I, I back the manager to go and get it right. Yeah, he's look, he's, a, he's an elite manager, isn't he? He'll have been in the situation before where it, it, it's just important that it doesn't suddenly become two, two, three games at the start of the season lost in a row because then you, you do start to have problems. I think that was that Villa did that well at the back end of last season. They lost a couple of games to Wolves and Manchester United, but they didn't let it carry on. They got a result after well, that game and put a stop yeah. to it. You have to do that. If you have a defeat, it's so important to, to just bounce back in the next game so it doesn't become that bad run and, and things don't don't become negative. I guess the thing that we saw that we liked in the in the new I was actually in the first half, I thought Villa gave Newcastle a, a really good game at St James's Park. It could we could have quite easily gone gone in level. But Moussa Diaby looks a step up from players that Villa have brought in as wide forwards previously, I would say. Yeah, I mean it's one game again, isn't it? And I'm trying not to get too carried away in the same way. I'm not getting too down about the defeat. But yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's good to watch. He's, he's good fun. Lively, um, lively boy. I, I, like, I like the look of him a lot. I think, you know, we're going to see some really exciting times um, uh, with him in a Villa shirt. I think he looked really up for it as well, as which was which was more important. There were times where it didn't quite go for him and he was getting, uh, he was making it known that he was frustrated. There was a time where Cash missed the great opportunity, wasn't it, for Cash and Diaby was really close and you know, he was clearly frustrated at it. I like to see that from players, especially new players, because it shows that they care. Um, and But yeah, I think he's going to link up well with Watkins. I think I think he's going to have a lot of fun um, in a Villa shirt and he's going to become a fan's favourite very quickly, I think. So yeah, I'm probably getting a bit too carried away, but there were great signs, weren't there? You can't not be excited by a performance like that on your debut at, at St James's Park. Could have arguably scored again in the in the first half as well. He just he just looked electric, and that's probably been one of my criticisms of Villa over the last few years. I'd never felt as if there was enough directness and pace in the team, and I think he just absolutely ticks both those boxes, Greg. Yeah, I think you know we've talked about it previously, haven't we? That, that Villa have stepped up a level now in in terms of the player the players that they've bought. Um, you know, as we're recording this podcast as well, you know, Zaniola from from Galatasaray, we understand he's he's close to to moving on loan as well. So we'll, we'll try and update as we can. Um, but just going back to Diaby, you know, you look back through the through the wingers that Villa have signed since since moving up into the Premier League, they've gone up a level every single time. You know, you've moved on from Trezeguet and, and El Ghazi to to, to Bertrand Traore to. Um, there's one more that I mean to Leon Bailey, and then uh, you know obviously Diaby. I thought Bailey had a dis- disappointing game again. You know, obviously the fans were very quick to get on his back now because he's just not performing um, to the level that many hoped he would. 
Um, thought he had a tough day, you know, marking that side of the the pitch with with Newcastle in in such good form down that side. Um, but yeah, just didn't really see enough of him going forward either. And you, you wonder whether Jaden Filagini is now a better option or an option to con- to consider at least uh, going into the Everton game. So at home, I'm thinking I'd probably play Coutinho. Going to get in a game like that against against Everton, where you think it's going to probably be quite tight because you imagine they'll be quite compact. I think Coutinho, a couple of bits in pre-season. I just think Villa need, Villa need a bit of a spark in there. I think no you want some there. fight. They don't like. I mean, no disrespect to Coutinho. We know he's technically brilliant, and the players he's talk barely about, giving us. He's barely giving us any fight. Well, no, but you know, you're going to come up against a Sean Dyche team. Who, okay, it's very stereotypical, but. They're going to be fighting for their lives now. Every single game that they play, if they're not fired up, then they're probably going to go down. You know, that's their that's their situation. So they've got to fight. And if if Villa aren't ready, if Villa haven't got players that are you know, willing to do that, then I'm I'm not sure Coutinho's the the answer. Um, but yeah, you know, equally so, he's, he's Leon Bailey. I'd like to see Villa. I mean, we're talking about Zaniola. Zaniola, the answer for that kind of thing for for fight. I'm, I'm not convinced that he is. He's a good player. He's a player, obviously, that Monchi knows, but I presume would he have been coming in anyway, or was he? Is he a pure replacement for Buendia? He's a player. No, he's a player that's been on the radar previously. Um, he's, he's very, very much pushed by Monchi. Um, he didn't directly sign him when he was at AS Roma, um, Monchi, but he, you know, he obviously worked with him. Um, yeah, he, he was at the club when he was signed, but it wasn't him who pushed it. But he liked the player and has obviously remained on his radar since um, and has been somebody that, you know, Villa have been tracking since Monchi has arrived. So um, what we've got to point out is that it's not just one individual signing a player now at Villa. It's a very collective thing. You know, the, the scouts will... And the, and the data department will work together and the manager obviously will have the overriding say, but there'll be lots of discussions when players are coming in. So um, I think Villa are going to... So no, he, he was a player that would have been coming in anywhere um, okay. uh, without Wendy uh, and, he, and he's set back. But I think what Villa are going to find now is that they will have to be reactive. It's not a case of them being proactive and, and still going after players who are on their radar because I was led to believe that Villa were as good as done um, in the transfer window. The the movements that I was expecting was Cameron Archer either moving um, and that freeing up space for a striker to come in um, and Zaniola uh, as a um, uh, another option. But after that, that was it. So if Villa do get any other players in, that would be purely reactive. Do you think they will? Do you think they will do that now? Do you think they have to with Wendy being out? Because Wendy's Premier League ready, isn't he? He's, he's played this would be his third season with with, with Villa now. Zaniola comes in. Now. I feel like it adds a bit of unknown into the in, into the mix. Hasn't had the best twelve months either. It was brilliant for Roma. Was it the season before last when they won the Conference League? Mm. I want to say you know he's a he's a, he's a good player, but. I feel like it's it's very very unknown. I know Emery can improve players. We've seen that. It, it, it's very unknown. I, I will also say at the moment, Villa are he- Villa's left hand side is completely missing. Moreno and Ramsey. That's that's massive. They're two of Villa's key players. I would say, and I think we suffered by McGinn having to play on a different side because then we lost him on the on the right hand side. I think that was another reason where it just felt like we never really had any control of the of the game on on Saturday. Well, I mean, you know, Villa finished the Villa. <laughs> Villa were in the second half without four of their outfield players who who did so well and helped Villa fly up the league last season. You know, no Moreno, no Ramza, no Mings and 
Um, Brenda. And no Brenda, of course, yeah. So the questions that I was asking during the summer when Villa were bringing in new players were, are these players going to be any better than the current players anyway? And that's when you're spending ninety million pounds, ninety million euros on two players. And I'm thinking, are they going to be any better? We don't know that yet. And now the fact that Villa have actually lost some of their players that were already there, the onus now is on the new players. They have to be better, else yeah. Villa are going to struggle. And you know, all of a sudden, you've gone from having potentially Bailey and Buendia as and Torres as very good substitutes to now having to probably have to play Bailey, have to play Torres, and you're looking at your bench and it's a bit weaker. Um, you, you know, young Kellyman and, and Philogene were on the bench yes, um, last last week and Archer. You know, they're, they're three young lads, aren't they? <laughs> it's like they're not, they're not proven Premier League players. All of a sudden, the squad's starting to look a little bit stretched again. Um, and it's a shame because it was... It was it was gearing up so nicely, wasn't it? It was all looking like it was starting to fall into place. And, um, you know, so I still don't think it's the end of the world. I still think Villa no. have got a very good squad. And, yeah, they might do a couple more. They might do another player um, after Zaniolo. And, and and that might strengthen them. But I just yeah. can't get over the fact It's just that frustrating, isn't it? Because you, you, you feel sorry for the club almost and the owners because yeah. they've put, they put a lot of money into it. Um, you know, willing to sort of really push the boundaries every single year. Um, and you look back even to the start of the, the Premier League, um, when, when Villa returned to the Premier League, Wesley and Tom Heaton got injured. Nassif Sawiris and Wes Eden, they always were there to put more money in. OK, Pepe Reina and, um, and Bwama Samata were, were not the ideal replacements, but the money was given to them to come in. When John McGinn got injured, there was a replacement. Um I barely... <laughs> yeah, maybe I should move on from that. I'm not sure, sure, sure this analogy is working, Greg, to be honest. <laughs> so far, we're talking about Samata and Danny Drinkwater. I'm not, you I'm know what sure I'm saying? Look, you know, the, the, owners, the owners, credit to them, they always put the money in the pockets and they always do pull it off. You know, when um, when Villa thought they were going to lose Douglas Louise um, on, the, on the final day of the last transfer window last summer, they put the money in the pocket to get Dendonka in as well. Um, so you know, look, they've always paid. They've always they've always invested, haven't they? So they're not a problem. The owners are they not 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 at all. I just can't get. Brenda is a, a big miss. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not. And I feel sorry for him as well with, with his injury. I just can't get over the loss of Mings. I'd say Mings is probably in the top three players. Villa can't afford to get injured along with Watkins and Martinez. And obviously, yeah, he's he's, he's done probably for probably for the season now. I just think it's. Such a such a huge loss, and I am worried about the makeup of that defense now because I think you're right. I think the plan would have been to integrate Torres slowly. I think you'd have seen him in the first few weeks playing as left back. He definitely played left back on uh, Sunday against Everton. I think ease him in, ease him in slowly. Let Cash bomb up that that right hand side because I think for home games where you're going to dominate possession, he's going to be very very useful. It's the games like Saturday where we saw him, where it concerns me. A little bit the physical side, just the Newcastle just press. I know not every team will play like Newcastle, but you take my point in away games when things get a little a little bit physical and you've got people running at him, and he doesn't have Mings sweeping up behind him. Mm. That's the that's the bit that worries me. And this this is what I said a couple of weeks ago when we did the pod after uh, Torres was signed. Um, you know, 
there were question marks over over Pau Torres because he doesn't play for Spain. He's lost his place in the Spanish team and no big club, despite almost every one of them being linked with him, came in for him. So sometimes you have to look a little bit deeper and think, well, why didn't any of those why didn't any of those clubs come in for him? Um, now, it's incredibly early to say that he's not cut out for the Premier League. I'm not saying that. And, and, and neither of us are. But, no. you know, Unai Emery believes in him. He had him at Villarreal and it worked with him. Um, and, he, and he's seen his qualities. So we got to trust him that he can do it at Villa. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think he's a good player from what I've seen. The physical side of things has always been the thing that's let him down. Um whether he could play alongside a, a Diego Carlos and a Conza or, or just Diego yeah, Carlos. I mean, we'll, we'll, be that. We, we'll, we'll see and um, some of that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame to lose Mings because I think, I think Villa fans like going to the games and seeing Tyra Mings playing. I think they can, I think they can resonate with him. Do you know him what I mean? McGinn, I think, isn't it? Long serving. Yeah. I feel like, you know, he, he knows the fabric of the club now Um his performances were good enough last year to get him back into the England squad, and rightly so. Uh, that rick that he had in him had disappeared, hadn't he? He became a reliable, consistent defender. Um, and it's just it's just going to be hard for, for someone to come and fill those big boots because, you know, he he's a, he's a top defender. He's, a, he's just everything, like set paces, he wins the headers, clears them. And he's yeah, the Mings, tallest Mings player in the there. team and Villa are a Hot. very short team. Yeah. People don't realise how quick he is. Like his recovery pace is exceptional. He's so so quick, Tyra Mings. If you're playing a high line, he's perfect for that. His distribution's yeah. really good as well. He's, he's really good at playing through the lines. He's a leader. He organises that back four. Just everything that I think is important in a centre back, he mm. provides Villa. And I'm just, I'm not trying to be negative. That's not what I'm doing. But I'm worried about how that defence works without him. I'm worried. I think individually they're all good players, all good defenders. But I just think when Mings isn't there, those players aren't going to be as good. They're not going to be as effective. And I'm just worried that defensively, it's all going to fall down without Mings. We saw how busy Emi Martinez was at the at the weekend. You know, he made a couple of actually incredible saves in the, in the second half. Villa did get pummeled, but it definitely could have been a lot worse in that in that, in that second half. It, it was at times like Emi was looking for for Tara and Mings because he couldn't, couldn't believe what he was seeing and how, how open it was. And I can't, I'm not negative. I'm really positive. I believe in this manager. I believe in these players. But I do think that loss of Mings is, is just huge and I don't know what they're going to do about it. Yeah. And look, you know, the high line in general, I think it's something that was heavily discussed last year. When it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was bad. You know, it's as simple as that. But it was good way more often than it was bad. And the fact that Mings knew how to play that and had and almost mastered it towards the end because Villa were not conceding goals, remember? Um, mm. And Mings was a big part of that defence. I think you're right. I think a lot of it does break down. This feel, this this whole line of conversation feels very disrespectful towards Konza because he has been... He's um, been brilliant. Know, percent of, of, of that for a long time as well. And when, when Villa are good, Konza is good as well. So... But it, they're a good been, partnership. They're, they're a good, good partnership. partnership yeah, and because we don't know what Conza and Torres, or Conza Torres and Carlos, or Conza and Carlos are like, because we haven't just haven't seen them play together, um, it's just too soon to say. So you know, it might just need a little bit of experimenting and, and seeing seeing how Villa can do it. Um, the high line in general, I think this year as well, is something that defending teams are going to have to look at. You know, Liverpool are another team. You, you look at the two real teams, your high lines, Liverpool and Villa, isn't it, in the Premier League? And you think, um, 
with the new offside rule favouring the attackers, it's it's quite risky, isn't it? It's becoming we more got done marginally, risky. didn't we, for a couple of goals as well on Saturday. Like, That's what I mean. It's favouring the it's favouring the attackers this year with the shoulder, you know, and the new lines and all that. But um, you know, Martinez, he's, you see Martinez come racing out to try and clear up. If he keeps having to do that, he's going to get sent off at some point. Yeah. You know, he's got the, got the time wasting to all the all the things Emmy Emmy likes doing or that he's involved in. You get your card for that <laughs> nowadays. All out, yeah. <laughs> he could get a record. You're telling him to stop a trash talking uh, attackers next. <laughs> uh, I think they have told you, you can't do that from penalties and stuff now, can you? You can't oh, do you, you can't do anything really? like that anymore. Yeah, Emmy's that, gonna, yeah, Emmy's gonna. Emmy's in big. I mean, that one where he had to come out and sweep it because the high line got exposed. I mean, he was. Ne- I don't think that was ever a red card. You're more reasonable than me. It was never a red, was he? Um, professional foul, yes. I mean, red. yeah, yeah, no, take, yeah, sort of you've seen him given, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have, but you know, yeah, maybe unfortunate if it was, but he's got to be careful though, because if 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 Filler continues to get exposed like that, then you know, there will be a time where he'll get it wrong and he'll get sent off. So, I have so makes a good point, and I noticed this yesterday when I was watching the Liverpool Chelsea game. They were started showing the lines on Sky again, there's no lines in the Villa game. I didn't know whether anyone was offside on side. Couldn't, couldn't see lines in Liverpool. I didn't see that. Yeah, I had the, the line, line yesterday. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. It annoyed me actually because I was I was wondering if we were going to see them in the in the Newcastle game. They didn't even come up at the end. Did they? I don't remember seeing that. No, sure. they were there yesterday. They don't show you while they're working out, but they show you at the end when the decision's been made. Ah, right, right, okay. They didn't do that in the Villa game. We didn't get no. to see any of it, so I didn't couldn't see how tight things were. But they looked tight for for a couple of those goals. I would say it's, the, the, the VAR thing's still so annoying because it's so much worse for people that are in the stadium. It's like if you're watching it on TV, you know it. if it's onside or offside before those in the stadium know, which is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. That's not the experience should be if you're paying to be at the game. I mean, to be fair, everyone pays a lot of money to watch it on Sky as well. But if you're at the game, you should know what's happening on the pitch and going on in that room. And you you have never got a clue. I've always said that. That's been a massive problem mm. with VAR. It shows a bit all over the place at the, at the moment. But I think it's to be expected because it's just. I think everyone's still in shock. Really, I know I definitely feel like I'm still in shock a little bit. A few people have asked about Jack Harrison because Fabrizio Romano. Was tweeting that oh Villa is done they've hijacked him and then mm. suddenly I oh, know he's going to Everton on a on a season long loan with no option to buy with that Villa ever in for Jack Harrison? Villa were certainly interested in, and have been interested in in previous windows in him. Um, he hasn't played this season; he's injured, so Villa aren't going to be signing a player that's injured when they've got injured players already. Um, and room it in was the, in the very, treatment room. It was very well down the line with Everton already. So uh, yeah, I think David Ornstein was uh, reporting accurately on that. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't know if it was Romano who tweeted that it, here we go. I think he even tweeted. Yeah. It was. Here yeah. We was, go, uh, d- d- yeah. Sorry. David Ornstein was reporting it accurately that he was moving to Everton. Of course he was. David Ornstein knows absolutely everything and everyone in football. David Ornstein, one of the most professional men I've ever worked with in my life. Let's get rid of Jacob Tanswell as well. For comes in to start reporting on Villa and we get pumped five one on the first the first game. Get rid of him. I've had enough of him already. I've got another theory to run past you, a bit light hearted people may have seen this on my social media today. Those kits those players look like they've been water bombing in the pool after thirty seconds. There is uh, something wrong with them shirts, in, in in my opinion. Why do the Villa players look? I don't know why I'm asking you. Lot like you'll know the answer to this. Why do the Why do the Villa players look so sweaty from thirty yeah, seconds um, into a match? I'd, I'd love to have the answer for for um, for you on this. I, I have no idea, Dan. So 
you, you maybe you should share what your experiment was and uh, well, if there are any findings from that. Have a look on my social media if you haven't had a look at it already on Twitter or Instagram. I've posted my findings, went on the Peloton today in my villa shirt because I don't usually sweat that much when I do exercise, but I was warm in that villa shirt, that pro shirt. They are there's something in that that makes you excessively sweaty. And I, I do wonder is this a contributing factor to Villa losing five one to Newcastle? Is it something to do with the shirt? Sounds like, a, sounds like an athletic feature this. I'm I'm on it. I'll, I'll get I'll get on to Jacob so if you see if you fancy's writing about it. I might have to do I might have to do another experiment in last season shirt just to see what my findings are there. So I might do that tomorrow, try it in the season before shirt and see whether I end up uh end up as hot but there's something in that new shirt i don't know what it is but it's you know it's, it's a, and it also broke my heart when i picked the shirt up and it's got five mings on the back i also do have to take a bit of responsibility for the tyro mings injury because unfortunately when talking about zaniolo in our match preview i did reference the fact that he had a poor injury record before he came to villa and i said i'll probably i'll probably end up cursing him here but he's his injury has been really good ever since and of course after i say that he ends up getting a, a terrible injury so i do have to take a little bit of responsibility for that for that myself i did have quite a number of tweets when he got carried off so i did feel like i needed really? to address that yeah people weren't happy with me for that i mean you've done it before you've, you've tweeted something during a game and then we've conceded right after and people have had a go at you and you've always said just a reminder that i don't control what happens so it's probably the same i don't have any control over what happens and a no, it's not football. probably, it's definitely. No, definitely. And you also, definitely have no control, and neither no. do I. But, Tyrone, you know, someone Tyrone needs to, someone, some people need to take their own ground, someone, don't they? So, yeah. Tyrone, Tyrone wouldn't want me to get abused for what I said in, in the match preview. That just wouldn't be what he wanted for me. So, yeah, just, it was about five or six tweets, but I did feel bad. If, if I'm honest. What else did we say we were going to talk about, Greg? I can't even remember. What else did we... uh, I suppose it was just really, you know, how Villa are going to react from from these injuries, you know, losing Buendia uh, on the eve of the season, now losing Mings. Do Villa need another centre-back? I mean, probably they do, you know, in an ideal world, they would. I mean, in an, I- in an ideal world, they would. But because you, you, they went into the season with four really good centre-backs, and Callum Chambers is another option, and Leander Dendonker, who could possibly play. In Kamara there. can play there, actually. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you wouldn't want to be no. get resorting to the you know Bubakar Kamara playing the centre back, would you? Okay, makeshift he has played there in the past, and um, you know he could do a job there. But yeah, I mean, if there's an experienced player that you could get out in on loan, it might work. Um, <laughs> this feels very much like the realms of going for Jan the Bednarik. Bednarik. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm wary of going down, down, you know, that this line and, and, and the fact that, you know, Chambers, Chambers Chambers has been around and, and obviously worked under Emery for two different clubs now. Um, so Emery knows exactly what he's going to get from Chambers and he might be the, you know, somebody they might have to turn to a little bit more often now um, in, in Europe, perhaps, or at the end of games. You know, they've got three very good centre-backs still. Conza, Diego Carlos and Paul Torres. Yes, we've gone over some of the flaws and some of the issues that, that might um, occur in, in the weeks ahead. But I think if you can get Torres settled, if you can get Carlos confident playing again, um, you know, because he's, he's probably not too far off it now. It's a worry, it's a worry that, isn't it? He's not too far off it. Look, he, coming back from an Achilles injury is tough. You know, it's harder probably than coming back from an ACL injury. Um so, you know, let's hope he can get some games under his belt and then just move on and, and, and almost forget about it. But I know it's easier said than done. Um, we're just going to have to suck it and see it, aren't we, for a couple of weeks and see what happens. 
not a massive fan of that term on, on the podcast, to, to be honest, Greg. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just, I, I am a little, I am a little bit worried. I am, I am concerned because I think, I just think the plans have just been ripped up now. Everything they would have thought that they might be able to do is just gone defensively. I, I, mean, I think Ponce would have played right back quite a lot of the time, and I now look at it and think, well, we can't do that now because he has to play right centre back. Constance is going to have to play nearly every game now, I would say. <coughs> if you remember when Paul Torres was signed, there was a, there was a split discu- discussion between the supporters of whether Torres was coming in to replace Mings or play alongside him. And, you know, there were people in the Villa, amongst the Villa supporters who thought that he should come in and play ahead of Mings anyway. So for those guys, it's not too much of a big deal now. Well, they'll say that it is a big deal. Shortly, I, Villa's record without Tyrone Mings, and I get this is a completely different team now with a different manager, and it's a lot more positive. But when Mings hasn't played for Villa, they have shipped goals left, right, and centre. So I saw in the chat someone said one in twelve, one in twelve, we've won, and that was against Norwich. One in thirteen, yeah, yeah, one, one in thirteen. I wrote a piece last year when I wrote an article last year when Villa lost uh, when 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 Mings didn't play at Man City, they lost three 0 I think at Man City. Always tough going there, obviously. But yeah. um I remember writing an article after and the the stats were that he that Villa had only won once in twelve games that he hadn't played. Which is you know, says it all, doesn't it? I have to remember some Tonkings in there as well, just some real real bad days. I remember losing three we lose to Watford three 0 and Mings wasn't wasn't playing. It was just a horrendous lot. It's not good when Mings doesn't play, but you know this is a different Villa now. We should should say that Villa are in a completely different place as a, as, as a club now, and he has been very durable over the over the last few years. And unfortunately, that's changed at the at the weekend. But he's been a, he's been available a lot. But there just seem to be one of these injuries every single season. Even the the lockdown season, we were going quite well in fifth, and we lose Greedish for three months, mm. and and not the same. Just something happens to us every single year, and it's getting on my nerves now. It really is. We'll wrap up soon, but before we do, and Lee's probably going to kill me here because I, I didn't tee it up when I said we were going to do it, but we do need to hear from our sponsors, NordVPN. So hopefully Greg and I's face will disappear very shortly. If you guys are getting fed up with missing live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, might be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile, and smart TV. If you want to watch, let's say, some U.S. content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And while you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. The service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty dab handy. A part of NordVPN supporting 1874, the Aston Villa channel, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free which also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to www.1874.io forward slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will also be in the description. And as always, we are truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight. But if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help us to keep the channel running.
get that code changed. <laughs> that code doesn't fit in with current branding. That need that needs to be changed as soon as possible. I'll get Adam to to get on that when he gets back from, from his holidays. Greg, is there anything else that we we need to discuss, or are we are we done? I think we probably. I think it. we're done for now. Yeah. Well, let's try and uh, let's hope it's a more positive uh, outlook next week. I, I firmly believe it will. I, I fancy Villa. I'm not not feeling Everton at all. I fancy Villa to go and uh, make amends at the weekend and get it right. I think what what the players will be going through this week is a lot of video analysis. You know, we know that Emery's big on that. Um, and look, if if they come out and and they're a little bit apprehensive, then, you know, I'm sure the fans will let them know. Uh, but I, I expect them to be straight onto the front foot um, and just trying to uh, cut out some of the mistakes from last week. Come on, Villa. It'd be good to be back at Villa Park as well. I feel like I haven't been there for, for ages, so it's always good to be back on a first day. I felt brilliant going in. The start of last season where we were crap, so you know this should be this, this should this should be better, shouldn't it? And Ashley Young, don't you even think about ruining my day by do, by doing anything silly, Ashley Young? Know where your allegiances lie, and they're not with Everton. Let's go then, Greg. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Greg's not mentioned FFP. I've not mentioned working at Skies. It's been a, been a good podcast. No one can have a go at us for this one. Hopefully, we have cheered you up in in some way. Thank you to Lee Haynes for stepping in. And producing his producing debut today, Adam decided to take a last-minute holiday across the other side of the world without telling anyone, which was really, really helpful at the start of the season. So thanks to Adam for that. But yeah, Lee stepped in and it's all been good as far as I know. There'll be a match preview with Dave Reed and myself later on in the week. Thank you to everyone that's engaged in the chat as well. Been nice to hear from everyone. Have a good Monday. Enjoy the Monday night football. Come on, Manchester United. Up the villa. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.